So did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. Really good. But did you also notice how quickly it sped past and was almost completely overshadowed by preparations for Christmas? And you know, I never, you know, I've noticed it, but I never really noticed it before quite in the way that we did this year because Vicki and I got to have a really unique experience. The week before Thanksgiving week, Vicki and I got the privilege of having lunch with Bridget and some of her family that was here from Germany. And we had the best time. I mean, we were sitting around the table laughing and, and talking. It was, it was almost like we had known the people forever, right, Bridget? Yes. Good. But at one point in the conversation, one of them turned to Vicki and said, what's the deal with this Black Friday we keep seeing advertised? <laughs> he said, you know, traveling during your big American holiday of Thanksgiving, we thought we were going to see representations of pilgrims and turkeys and, and all of these things about your big American feast, but all we've seen is Christmas decorations and ads for something called Black Friday. What is it? Yeah, where, yeah, they wanted to know where the turkeys were. What's this Black Friday? So, so Vicky explained to them that it was the first official day of the Christmas shopping season and that for many businesses it marks the first time that the retailer moves from being in the red, from losing money, to being in the black. Right? The black ink on the ledger to making money. But that the downside of that is it overshadows a great opportunity for us to focus as a nation on giving thanks to God. And the same thing can happen in our celebration of Advent, can't it? But it's an important time not to miss. This is the beginning of a whole new year as our lighting of the wreath symbolized this morning when Helen and Kathy did such a good job of, of reading that for us. It's the beginning of a whole new liturgical cycle and the beginning of preparation to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But all too often it's lost in the, the secular commercialism with all the decorating and the shopping and the card giving that consumes these next four weeks that sidetracks us from the essential message of this season. And we have to be awake and alert because right into the midst of this whole cultural setting, we are met with the single most dramatic news that the world has ever received. It's the message that God came to dwell with us and that ready or not, he's coming back. Now, I know we touched on this a little bit before as we went through the Gospel of Luke, but today Matthew's going to take us a little more into detail through this account. So we're going to look at Gospel of Matthew, beginning in chapter 24, verse 36. And he writes, No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So you too must keep awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all time, for the Son of Man will come when he's least expected. When he's least expected. So as we go through these next four weeks, there's a, a deliberate two-fold approach to Advent. 
we're preparing to celebrate Christ's first advent in Bethlehem. And we're also reminding ourselves that Jesus will come again. He's coming back. Believe it or not. And also, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't believe it. In fact, most of the world's population openly rejects the idea. And surprisingly, even in the United States, where a large segment of the people openly profess Christianity, there's a lot of people that don't believe this. In fact, I read a, a survey by the Pew Research Group. They said only 27% of those surveyed believed that Christ would definitely return. 27%. 20% say he probably would return. 28% said he probably will not return. 10% said he definitely would not return. And 14%, like always, had no idea. They said, well, they were clueless. But even among those who do believe that Jesus will come back, there's a division over when it's going to happen or whether it's going to be a literal or just a figurative return. And if you look at the bookstores, hundreds and hundreds of books have been written and bought by people that are searching for concrete answers. But like we talked about in Sunday school class this morning, even though we can't know everything for sure until it happens, there are four facts that we can hold on to this Advent season that are straight from the lips of the Lord Jesus himself. And the first one is, we can know the general time, but not the precise moment when Christ will return. So date setters, beware. Jesus said no one can know the day or the hour. Right? The best we can do is read the signs. So if you come across someone that says they've pinpointed the, the year or the month or the day that Jesus is going to return, don't fall for it. Don't believe them. That person is either a false prophet or seriously deluded. Because Jesus strictly forbids the setting of dates for his return. But of this much we can be sure. Jesus Christ is coming back again and you can take that to the bank. Amen. Amen. His return is more certain than the existence of the universe. And he has told us that even though heaven and earth may pass away, his word will never pass away. And in this context, he's talking about his return. The message of his return. And his word will never pass away until it's completed. Because one thing that we can be certain is we can always trust God to keep his word. Amen? The second truth is that Jesus will return when the world is completely unprepared. That's what we were talking about with the kids. And you know, being ready isn't something that everyone is very good at all the time, is it? In fact, I just read about a couple named Jeff and Janice who had that same trouble on their first date. So it seems Janice was expecting Jeff to show up at 7 o'clock. And she was so excited at the prospect of going out with this guy that when the time rolled around, she was dressed and ready for the date. She was ready to walk out the door. But you know what? He didn't show up. So she waited. And she waited. One hour went by. Another hour went by. Finally, at 9 o'clock, she figured he had stood her up. She goes into the bedroom, slips into her pajamas, slips into her fuzzy slippers, grabs a pint of ice cream out of the refrigerator, <laughs> flops down in front of the television set. And no sooner had she curled up than guess who knocks on the front door? It was Jeff. So she opens the door in a huff, expecting some kind of excuse or some kind of apology from him. Jeff takes one look at her and says, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm two hours late and you're still not ready. <laughs> I 
Have any of you guys ever had to deal with that? <laughs> but that's how we as Christians are sometimes, aren't we? You know, we get all excited and expected, and when Jesus doesn't consult us about his timetable, we settle back into our easy chairs. But Jesus' warning today is, don't let me catch you by surprise. Be ready. Be ready at all times. We read in that passage this morning, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And that's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus takes this message and he makes a very simple comparison between the days of Noah and the days of his return. But what was it like in the days of Noah? Well, it was business as usual, just like it is today. And while Noah patiently built the ark and warned men about the coming judgment, they laughed at him. They said, ah, it'll never happen. Because Noah's day was exactly like ours. It was a, an age of skeptical unbelief and casual indifference. And the more Noah preached, the more his contemporaries mocked him. And they refused to believe that anything like a worldwide flood was possible. The idea was so ridiculous that they just couldn't take Noah seriously. So for years and years, life went on without any kind of change. Eating and drinking. And marrying, just like we do every day, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas parties and winter weddings. And with each passing day, poor old Noah looked more foolish than the day before. Until finally, the heavens opened and the rains came down, and then Noah didn't look so foolish, did he? But he was safely in the ark. And I'm sure when he was in there, he heard the pounding on the outside of the door and people yelling, Noah, you were right, we were wrong. Open up. Let us in. But it was too late, wasn't it? It was too late. And the flood came and took them all away. Now just think about that for a minute. I know it's a pretty sobering message for Christmas time, but an entire generation wiped out by God's hand of judgment. One moment you're sitting at the table eating supper, and the next moment your house is washed away with you in it. You're working in the field, and suddenly the field disappears under a wall of water. And the next moment the world and everyone that you've ever known has perished beneath the waves. And when that end finally came, it happened so quickly that no one except Noah and his family were prepared. And everybody else died as the floodwaters rolled across the surface of the earth. And that's exactly what the second coming will be like for an unbelieving world. It's going to be business as usual until the very day that Jesus returns. And just as the flood brought sudden judgment on the world, the return of Jesus Christ will do the same. When the waters came, the unbelievers were taken so that only Noah and his family were left. And when Jesus Christ returns, unbelievers will be taken in the same way. And only those that are in Christ will be preserved by God. And just as the ark saved Noah and his family, Jesus Christ is our ark of safety. For those who believe in him and have received him by faith as their Savior. But you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Because Jesus said he might return at any moment. And he tells us, therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. Be ready. And that's the whole message and the whole theme of our Advent season. You know, theologians often talk about the eminent return of Christ, which is just a fancy way to say he could come at any moment. Right? He could have come yesterday. He might come today. 
He certainly could come tomorrow. And he compared that idea to another fairly common occurrence. Household burglary. It happens all the time. If a thief shows up and breaks into your house, it's always sudden and unannounced, isn't it? I mean, after all, if you knew a thief was coming at 3.15 on Thursday morning, you'd be ready for him, wouldn't you? But, uh, but thieves rarely call and make appointments in advance. Like you never come home and find a message on your answering machine from a burglar. I think we have a tape recording of one somewhere. Do we have that? Hi, this is John Smith. I plan to rob your house tonight. I'll try to be there at 3.15. But it might be closer to four because we've got two other houses to rob. But if you would, just pile the stuff on the middle of the floor so we don't have to search all your drawers. And if you wouldn't mind, leave the doors unlocked. It will save time. <laughs> right, you never get a message like that on your answering machine, would you? Now, if anybody's house gets robbed tonight... <laughs> We know that wasn't really John Smith. But that never happens, does it? And since it doesn't, how do you protect your home from robbers? Well, you lock the door, for one thing. You call a security service and get a burglar alarm, or you get a hungry doberman. But after you do all that, nothing may happen for years and years. But wouldn't it be better to be prepared? Wouldn't it be better to be prepared? And the same thing goes for our Lord's return. Because Jesus is coming back like a thief in the night. And when we least expect him, he's going to return. So be ready. 1 John 2, 28 tells us, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you'll be full of courage and not have to shrink back from him in shame. Now, for me, that's a really sobering verse. What am I going to be doing when Jesus comes back? Will he find me at work in his kingdom? Or am I going to be ashamed of what he catches me wasting time on when he comes? And that leads me to my final point. While we wait, we're to be faithful in doing the tasks that the Lord has given us. In other words, thank you. In other words, we can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, right? That was the message of the angels to the apostles in Acts. Acts tells us, after seeing this, Jesus was taken up from them into a cloud. And while they were watching, they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing there staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday this same Jesus will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This same Jesus is coming back. So be ready. But get busy. Don't just stand there staring into heaven. You know, someone asked Martin Luther once what he would do if he knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, and he said, I'd plant a tree. He said, I'd plant a tree. And he continued, just keep doing what you know is right, and whenever Jesus comes, you won't be disappointed. Just keep doing what you're to be doing, and whenever Jesus comes back, you won't be disappointed. But how can you and I be ready for Christ as Edmund? So my advice is, live as though he might come today, but work as though he might not come back for a thousand years. Live as though Christ might return today, but work like he's not coming back for a thousand years. You know, I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. As a congregation, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the men and women who have worked and planned and sacrificed so that we can have this facility and this property. 
We are the recipients of their godly imagination and their enterprise. And even though I, for one, hope the Lord comes back today, if he tarries another generation, you and I need to be the same kind of faithful stewards and committed contributors as our founders were. How many people are here from the original house church? Would you just stand up? I know there's some. You were, Kathy? Stand up. Right, the Endels, and who, who all is here from the beginning? Okay, well, they're here. They just don't want to stand up. But we want to make sure that we're faithful stewards and committed contributors like these folks were so that we can leave this house of worship to a coming generation. That it can continue to carry on the ministry of the gospel into the future, right up until the very day that Jesus comes back. Whether that's in my lifetime or in JJ's lifetime or his children's lifetime, we can't really know that. But what we can hold on to is that when everything is in place according to God's plan, Jesus will return. Not a moment earlier, not a moment later. Now how close is that moment? Maybe very close, perhaps certainly closer than we think. But if you live every day as though it could be your last, one day you'll be right. So the only question that we're left with is, if Jesus were to come back today, are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to meet him? And I want to, I want to speak just a moment to those who aren't sure how to answer that question. Just imagine if it was just the two of us together in your kitchen over coffee, and I ask you, are you ready to meet the Lord? And if your answer is, I hope so, or I think so, or I'm not sure, that would tell me everything that I need to know because that means that you're really not ready at all. If you don't know, you're not ready. But remember what Jesus said would happen when he returns. One will be taken and one will be left. So what group are you going to be in? The one preserved by God or the one taken in judgment? Because you see, if you don't know him, you aren't ready to meet him. So you need to ask yourself today, do you know him? Do you know that you're saved? Do you know how to know if you're saved? Because very sadly, much of what the church has done in the last few decades is to reduce the gospel to a mere emotional invitation and repetition of a rote prayer. But you know what, brothers and sisters, when Jesus preached, he never called people to come up front, did he? He called them to follow him. And he never told you and I to go out and get quick converts. He told us to go out and make disciples. And Jesus Christ never wanted just people's words. He wanted their hearts. And he won't accept anything less. And way too many people rush to the altar and take on Christ like fire insurance and then walk out those church doors and live like the devil the rest of the week. And I want you to know the difference between that and a life that is truly redeemed. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, he said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So what's he talking about? Well, I think he laid that out in the preceding verses. He says, and this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Because eternal life comes from God alone, 
through Jesus Christ alone, by the Holy Spirit alone. And simply put, salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit leading you and I to trust Christ with all of our heart. But have you done that? It's to put all of your apples into one basket, so to speak, because then the proof of your salvation will be the fruits of the Spirit that your life begin to produce. That love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Right? Don't put your trust in the church or in good works or in your, your background or how you were baptized or anything else. Only in Jesus. Because salvation is not found in a religion, but in a relationship. In a relationship with a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's the hope and the promise of Advent. The hope that all the Old Testament prophets wrote about. And the promise that has been fulfilled to us. And I want to close with this verse. The Bible tells us this salvation revealed to us was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. They prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ speaking within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you, for you and me. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it is all so wonderful, so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching to see these things happen. You see, God loves us so much that even the angels are amazed. Right? They've never known the grace and mercy and the wonder of deliverance from sin, but for us, that's the promise of Advent. The one that the prophets predicted but didn't completely understand. The one that the angels wonder at but can never fully experience. The one that began with Christ's first Advent in Bethlehem and will culminate in his return. That's the gift. That's the promise. At Advent at Christmas, and always. Amen? Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you that in the fullness of time you did fulfill your promise. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior and our Lord. And we eagerly wait now, Lord, when you would send him back again to call us home. We thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us, and we thank you, Lord, for this holy season of Advent. In Jesus' name, amen.